0: Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert.
1: Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast. Uh, So excited that uh, you're coming along uh, with us today. Uh, Whether you're watching live on Facebook and YouTube uh, or catching us streaming on the Creative Motion Network, Rumble.com slash Gifts of Glory, or the audio on uh, the Taken TV Network's podcast channel, plus all major podcast platforms, including Google, Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. You know, Jesus said he'd make his fishers of men, so we're trying to cast a really wide net. So uh, thank you for joining us. And if you're live, feel free to uh, chime in on the chat. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what we do, if you like uh, uh, the, the podcast, if you like uh, Well versed Comedy, uh, and you'd like to support us, uh, would you consider uh, being a Patreon supporter uh, through patreon.com slash Uh It would help uh, uh, help us grow and reach more people, uh, give us an opportunity to, uh, to bring comedy to other places that... Uh, uh, maybe uh maybe you can't afford to hire a full-fledged comedy show, but uh with your support we can go out and and uh make it happen. Uh so visit uh, patreon.com slash gifts for glory and uh join at whatever level is comfortable. Patreon.com slash gifts for glory. Uh we thank you so much for uh for joining us and for supporting us and also uh for uh praying for uh the different things that we do. Now, let's dive into our devotion with Dave segment. Today's uh, uh, devotion is coming from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 26 to 29. Um, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And I think that uh, this passage is really important, especially today, as we're recording, uh, it's Martin Luther King Day. And you know the, the whole idea that, that Martin Luther King, what he stood for and what the Bible preaches is about unity. It's about that despite our difference our differences, uh, where we came from, who we are, that we're all part of one body, that we're all united at the foot of the cross uh, at the feet of Jesus. So I think that's very important to remember that no matter where somebody comes from, no matter matter where you came from, we're all made new. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all equal. We're all equally loved by God. We're all equally blessed by God. And we're all have equal heirs into the kingdom of God. So I think it's important um, just as we uh, just remember and honor Dr. King to remember, that we are all part of one body. When we accept Jesus, there's no longer a division uh, that that man makes up because we're all part of one body, uh, the body of Christ. So again, that was uh, Galatians uh, three twenty six through twenty nine. For you are all children of God through Christ through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So that was our devotions with Dave segment for tonight. Uh, so uh, just uh, always remember, spend time in your word, study it, and get to know it better. So uh, let's get on to our guest for tonight. Uh, we, over the last uh, couple of months, we've been bringing on the members of well Comedy, uh christy is our guest tonight Uh, she's an experienced writer actor and improv comedian Uh, she joined in the fall of 2021 she's a fan of comedy and making things up while pretending pretending to know a lot uh she has been known to threaten family members into playing games during the holidays so i'm sure that uh, she made a lot of threats over the past month uh she has studied drama and been involved with theater since 1992 uh, so, again, Christy joined us in fall of 2021. She's phenomenally funny, incredibly creative, and we're blessed to have her. Uh, Christy, welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast. Thank you, Dave. How are you doing tonight?
0: You know what? I am I'm getting better and better as the day goes on. I, I kind of, uh, I'm not the, the morning person. I'm the opposite of that. Okay. So. As twilight approaches, I start to fill my energy. <laughs> <laughs> night performances are 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 where I I hit my stride.
1: So, so you're not big on the matinees; they, they need to be the, the evening performances.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, matinee is a warm up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the real show.
1: So, you've been doing theater since 1992. So, I'm yeah. guessing since the age of four. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I
0: I started, I, I knew I loved it and wanted to be on stage from, yeah, from very young, from when I was a kid. My parents talk about, um, they were at a, a concert and I was probably four, five years old. Uh, this isn't the 1992 <laughs> event that put me on stage. But, but from a very early age, um, they were just sitting at a concert and all of a sudden they said that the, um, whoever it was that was singing on stage uh, started calling out and pointing towards them and said, "Uh, here's someone who knows how to enjoy themselves. And then I put the spotlight behind my parents to me. And I was just like in the background, dancing my heart out and pretending to sing You know, just like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you know, just (laughs) doing the whole thing and uh, and got the attention of the lady who was doing the concert and, you know, appreciated my enthusiasm. I was her biggest fan, apparently. Nice. (laughs) I have loved. Yeah, I've just never I've never been afraid of being on stage. It's never that is not my fear Mm. (laughs) of, of getting up and speaking in front of people.
1: So what, uh, what was the, the first thing that you did uh, when you got started in 1992? What was that production?
0: So I was in junior high, and um, I had just gotten to that age in junior high. So I, I knew I wanted to be on stage, but they wouldn't let elementary do theater. It was for the older kids, you know. So I, mm. I, I hit sixth grade, and I was kind of the runt of the litter. I was very small- and uh, for my age, I, I grew since then. I'm five eight now, <laughs> but at that time, I was the smallest kid in class. I just didn't look like that. sixth grade, you know, and so I couldn't pull off, you know, the leading role or the mom role. And the the teacher that was head of theater just couldn't break it to me. And mm-hmm. I, I I came in with full steam auditioning and wanting to be right there in in uh, in with all the. You know the bigger kids in the in the uh, stage play, and they were doing. Oh gosh, if I can remember what the play was, it's like it was called Anthem. It was a very old timey show where they were singing um, "New York, New York," and there was a street corner with a street sweeper, and they had a window display as part of the stage setup. So what this very clever theater teacher did was she said, you know, I don't have a speaking part for you. I do not, I cannot find a part for you, but I feel like you could really do an amazing job playing a mannequin in the store window.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. And, and I, at first I was like, well, you know, this is not what I signed up for, but then I thought, you know what, if I have to be a mannequin in the store window, I'm going to be the best the absolute best mannequin in a store window I could be. And I did my absolute best. I was as still as possible. And we, I had to sit on stage for 40 minutes on stage, not moving. Wow. And uh, luckily they they were lenient enough to say, you know, why don't we make her like a sitting doll in a chair? That way you don't have to stand the whole time not moving. So I was sitting in a chair made up like a doll. With big rosy cheeks and the wig hair and everything, and like this, and and at, and it was really fun because at the end, the teacher said that she was so impressed by my performance that people actually thought I was just a prop on stage. So she told me at the very end of the play, when the curtain was closing, to move, <laughs> and so uh, we got a real reaction from the from the audience because the whole stage play, everyone's you know. Uh, done. Everyone's off the stage. The, creeper, uh, the street sweeper sweeps everything off, and then the st- the curtain starts to close. And I just go, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and the crowd went wild. And they were nice. so they were like, "Wow, oh, that was the coolest thing I ever saw." And so it, the teacher really helped me um, mm-hmm. to encourage my love of theater because you you know I was able to to take something small and make it. Um, just do my best and really make it fun. And and it ended up being what everyone talked about in that play. <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, turn things around.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So after that, you get the bug. Uh, what was, uh, what was the uh, after
0: that? I was um, in everything. So the teacher did not um, try to hold me back after that. She was mm-hmm she acknowledged that I was the most enthusiastic. I don't, you know, whether or not I was the most talented, I was there, you know? And mm-hmm. so I got to be, um, we did an ugly duckling play, which was, a. Uh, it was not, uh, it was called the ugly duckling, but it was a prince and a princess, but the princess is, is, is homely. She's mm-hmm. got, she's been cursed and, a uh, and has a face, you know? And so we got to do fun makeup and, and all these, you know, Uh, prince and princess kind of things. And then we did um, we did a uh, a play set in Mexico where we all played uh, Mexicans down in Mexico trying to win the lottery. This was a little bit before (laughs) cultural appropriation was a thing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. The judge did say that that he really wondered (laughs) about what we were doing. So, you know, that was back in that was in Texas. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then, uh, I got out of high school, I, uh, in high school, I was in a uh, cat on a hot tin roof and, um, and then I got to be in a lot of other productions. I, I joined the, the thespian society. I went to national conferences, I got to college. Um, and I, I studied acting and I thought, man, this is what I want to do. And then I felt, you know, what, what does God want me to do? Cause I really, I kind of pulled back at that time. I was really, I was, um, I was at a good place with a good church and um, really wanting to do something for God. And so I got, you know, it was my time of kind of searching myself. Um, I I had my my parents and most of my families in healthcare. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there was a real push for me to go into medicine. Um, I actually got uh, my, uh, a minor in biology and a minor in chemistry Um, and I majored in English, (laughs) which they said was, you know, it was fine still to go to med school. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just take theater classes as my, you know, electives. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I was pursuing that and I got kind of, I just got disillusioned with it because it, it just wasn't where my heart was at. You know, I wanted to do something that was meaningful and I felt, you know, honestly, the truth just from my perspective with that time was that acting is not meaningful. It was just, it was selfish. It was just what I wanted to do and it didn't do anything but make people, you know, entertained for a while. So um, I really had a, a a heart searching moment after college in my early twenties. I um, eventually went to my pastors and I asked them for help, just guidance counseling um, and, I, and I said, you know, I'm thinking about going to be a missionary. And they said, oh, where? I was like, Africa.
1: <laughs> and
0: they said, do you feel a calling to Africa? And I said, no, but I'll go wherever. You know, I just want to be of use. And they said, well, why don't we look at what you're doing right now, what your interests are right now? Because God doesn't call you to some place without you knowing it. Like, you you know if God has put something on your heart, you're already doing it. You're already passionate about it. It's already mm-hmm. where where your heart is. It, you know, if you're following God and seeking God, and I had been, I'd been praying and seeking. And um, I actually um, quit my job that I had been working at for three years and saved up money and just lived off my savings for, I think, three months mm-hmm. uh, so that I could just really search and pursue something. And, and, and I started doing searches online and um, about w- what, it, what kind of ministry I could be a part of. I was just, I was going to be in ministry and I knew that I was going to be in ministry. I didn't know what I could be abuse use at. Um, but then, you know, I had that talk with my pastors and, um, and, and it was some, one of those things that I'll always remember because he said, what are you doing right now? And I was doing theater. I was uh, I was in a community production, um, uh, much ado about nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we were having a blast. And I was just, you know, having the time of my life. And I was like, that's what I can't stop doing. I just love theater. And he said, well, then that's what God has called you to. So why don't you look at ministry and theater? And I thought ministry and theater. what?" thing you know? nobody does that you know theater is is it pulls you away from god you know i i've been in all these theater uh communities and none of them were godly mm-hmm. um you know and i and i in fact um i had been you know in high school i i, I never got to go or even was invited to the theater parties where somebody would get you know uh, crazy and jump off a roof and break their arm or something. And, uh, those things happen. And I was just, uh, I was with the nerd kids back in the corner because I, you know, I had a certain, um, standard that I, that I really felt that I wanted to live. in. even, even then, even before I knew I wanted to be in ministry, I, I I'd always felt like at least I want to keep the 10 commandments and at least I want to, you know, not be out there just, openly rebelling. So, sure. um, so at that point I started opening my mind up to the idea of theater and ministry. Mm. And, um, so it blew my mind to think it was possible. And then I, I kept praying about it. I searched for theater ministry and I found the most amazing thing. I found the Christian performing artist fellowship. It was, um, I'm living in Texas by, you know, like I mentioned, it was in Indiana. I didn't even know where Indiana was. I mean, one of the things in about Texas is they're, they're very uh, egocentric about their, the teaching. We we are, we we learn about Texas and the shape of Texas and everything in Texas. And I didn't get a great training on the geography of the rest of the U.S. But (laughs) I, I, so I, I was like, well, Indiana somewhere up North. (laughs) And uh, so I got on actually a train, an Amtrak train with my mom, and we went up to visit an interview at the Christian Performing Artist Fellowship. And it turned out it was this uh, group of musicians that they had formed um, an amazing fellowship themselves and had been performing at the Kennedy Center and all over the world um, with these beautiful classic um, orchestras, uh, classic performing arts, classic uh, music and orchestras. And then they decided they wanted to impart this idea of bringing God and performance together to the next generation. So they, um, they decided to start this summer camp. So the Christian Performing Artist Fellowship hosts a summer camp called Masterworks. It's around a month long. And it expanded to include this orchestra program, string intensive, wind intensive, musicians. And then it's also got ballet a program and a theater program and an opera program. So I was able to uh, join the theater program. And um, they also gave me a full scholarship wow. because I was not able to afford it living on my own. Um, and I, they also hired me to become an intern to work full time, um, at their, at their fellowship. And it was, it it changed my life. It changed my life. It was the most amazing experience.
1: Wow. And so you just kind of almost, you ended up going up there on faith and then the guy just, and God just opened doors to make sure that you go through and, and continue. Um, how how many productions were you a part of uh, while you were there for those uh, few years?
0: So I was there for three and a half years. Uh, I would say, cause, because um, I they they let me come and be a part of the fellowship, uh, the the Masterworks Festival that summer, two thousand five, and we did Anne of Green Gables, and I was cast as Marilla, and that was so much fun. Um, and then the following summer, we did a production *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and I was cast as Hippolyta. Great fun again. It was a, uh, and then following summer we did *Crucible*, and the *Crucible* was so amazing. Uh, we had these awesome Christian teachers, the uh, Rich Swingle, who uh, tours the world doing a one. One man play about uh, Eric Little, L- Little, the Chariots of Fire, the mm-hmm. the guy who who uh, ran the marathon but wouldn't run. Was it was it he that he, he he had his faith just pushing him forward, and after he ran the marathon, he he went and became a missionary in um, China, and ended up dying in a concentration camp. Oh no. In the Japanese, it was, it's a very amazing story. But the, but the lives he changed along the way were just, anyway, so Rich Swingle does um, one man plays all over the world. He even got to go to the Beijing Olympics and do that play. It was a, just a God opening doors for him. Um, I also got to, to learn under Patricia Macheri, uh, who worked as a soap opera actress for dozens of years And then um, was told that she had to change her character to praise um, the homosexual lifestyle when Mm -hmm. her character had been a very religious mother of a straight son. Suddenly they wanted to change it with new writers to make her son come out as gay after several years Mm -hmm. and that she would be and then she would say, God, God, uh, God is for that. Um, And she refused to do it. And so she was fired from her, from her soap opera, uh, after decades. And um, but she she's an amazing, awesome woman. She's working with Times Square Church now, doing all amazing productions there in New York. And I got to work with Susan Somerville Brown, who was in a production in Cats on Broadway. And um, I got to work with John Kirby, who is the acting coach for Jim Caviezel.
1: Oh wow! Okay.
0: He's, nice. he's the coolest guy and he's just so positive and uh, full of energy. He gave us just amazing master classes, and he directed um, Crucible that year that we were in it and um, that was really awesome. And then my last summer, we did a production called Tartuffe and that is a classical French comedy. So it's like the Shakespeare of the French, Moliere. Okay. Moliere is the is the is the author and Tartuffe is a comedy written completely in rhyme so every every character through the whole 2 hours rhymes their speech and it was a Tartuffe is a hypocrite a man who says what he doesn't mean and it was really it's really neat because we would bring our you know our christian faith to each of these productions and we would have devotions about them every day and, and we'd be training and we'd be talking about you know you know where does god fit into this for your character and we talk about how the the moral with this hypocrite and his downfall how that played into you know god's uh god's desire for our lives so it was it was it was really uplifting as opposed to the, all the theater experience I'd had before, you know, where mm. there was, no, <laughs> there was, there was, it was just superficial about, you know, just being in the limelight where right. this it didn't matter whether I had a big role. I had a huge role in Tartuffe. I was, uh, I played the like the, the main wife that the Tartuffe was trying to seduce. And, uh, in, but in, uh, Crucible, I had like two lines in the whole play. You know, I was the, uh, a very old nurse, uh, Rebecca Nurse, who was sentenced to death for as a witch.
1: Mm. And
0: so I had, you know, I got to do some uh, voice acting, you know, taking on a character, age character. But it, all of it was just so, so wonderful. And the and the um, the atmosphere is full of prayer and uplifting and devotionals, and it was just a community of uh, godly people. So it was just, it was life changing just to be there. So I, I, yeah, I, I trained well. And also, um, besides the summer festivals where we did the full productions being an intern there, I also was able to hone my craft because we, they put on because all of us were performing artists in some way. Most of us, I guess Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) there are a few people that just wanted to come and be tech in the background. And that was just what they loved. Um, but most of us, I, I, were, uh, I was roommates with an opera singer and, uh, a flautist and, uh, a cellist, um, uh, and a pianist and, wow. and from all over, uh, from Washington DC and from, you know, New England and, um, uh, from, from Taiwan, uh, one of my best friends, um, was in the festival that I still keep up with today. Uh, so it, we, we were just people from all over and people that uh, I made lifelong relationships with and in Christ's love. And uh, when we did, sorry, I got sidetracked. There. We did a series of performances every month. So every month during the year, we also performed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we would just bring, since I was the only theater intern for a few years, the first two years, I was two and a half years, two years. It was a long time. I was the only one. (laughs) And so I did a lot of monologues and I dragged my boss into doing some sketches with me. So I, I was able to write up, um, uh, he, he's a composer. My boss was a composer and he had written several books as well. Uh, one of his books was called "The Spiritual Lives of the Great Composers," where he goes into the spiritual lives and, and uh, the deep, you know, cares and and um, lives of Bach and Beethoven okay. and uh, Stravinsky, Wagner. So it was so we turned that into a concert where I uh, drug all of the rest of my musician roommates <laughs> and my boss into doing roles and impressions of the different scenes of lives and and creating that and then interspersing that with some of the music of the composers. And we had so much fun doing it and, and just the community loved it. We had a, a huge community there that supported us in Indiana.
1: Nice. That's awesome. And it, I, I just love the fact that when you first went to your pastor, uh, they th- this pastor was supportive of the idea of using the creative gifts to honor God. Because there are a lot of, and I think it's maybe more of an older generational thing, but there are a lot that think that the only ministry you can do is evangelism or pulpit ministry and acting and even music to an extent is not a way to minister to people, to honor God. It's, it's a fun hobby and it can be one uh, wonderful and fun, but it's not a real ministry. So, you know, kudos to that pastor for being willing to say, yeah, you know, God is creative. Why can't you be creative too?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, I guess maybe what I was internalizing, you know, before I I went there just thinking I couldn't do this, you know, with my life because it was not enough, you know, yeah. so, um, I, I had been hearing that message for, for, for most of my life. So, but, but I luckily was, was at the right place at the right time at the right church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was really, a, I, cause I, uh, I regret nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad that I went there.
1: Yeah. So let's hear, uh, we, you know, obviously faith is is playing a huge role in your life and, and has for a long time. But how did you get there? Did, did you grow up in, in a Christian home? And if you did, when did it become your faith instead of your parents' faith? Uh, tell us about your testimony and, uh, as much as you'd like to.
0: All right. So um, hold on, I, I heard a noise. So uh, I grew up. It, it's kind of both and. Yeah. So my parents um thought they were Christians, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I think my mom my mom is a my mom is a Christian now and I think she was then. Um and my dad thought he was a Christian and now after I've grown up we had other revelations, and he said, You know, I don't think I ever actually was a Christian.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I
0: didn't have a personal relationship. It was something where I was drugged to church every time the doors were open, and I thought that meant I was a Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that was reflected in growing up. My mom would read the Bible to us and she would take us to church, um, and my dad just didn't want to participate in any of it. Um, we would pray at major suppers, you know, holiday d- meals, and um, and we generally tried to avoid, you know, stealing, you know, and pillaging. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but other than that, we, it wasn't, there wasn't any kind of super godly, um, path that we were expected to follow. In fact, uh, when I, I got really in tight with my youth group, but we went to a Southern Baptist church. My mom took us to when I was in around junior high, um, where we had, where we were living there. And I started to get really serious about just being a good person, I think was where I was focused at the time. Cause I, I don't know. I just, my, my, my mind wasn't as open to past that, you know, Mm -hmm. how much can you do when you're 15? Mm -hmm. Um, But at 15, I was focused on not going and partying and not doing the things that the other kids were doing around me, but, but trying to to live my life. Right. And my dad called me a goody two shoes. You know, <laughs> he, he had problems with me. He mm. he thought that I was, um, uh, weaker, I don't know, a nerd. I had, a, he, he called me names. So he, he thought he, that I should live a little and, um, uh, and, uh, And my mom was a little bit concerned because I didn't date. (laughs) Uh, But, but to me, God was a serious thing. I read the Bible and I said, you know what? Either this is real or, or it's not, you know, and I'm not going to live halfway. So, so I, I just went, I went all in. Um, So when I was in, in high school, I just kept my head down and tried to befriend people who were, you know, not not just going out and partying all the time. And I ended up uh, ended up my closest friends in high school were a Mormon and a agnostic girl that was kind of Wiccan. Hmm. Halfway. It, it, not, none of the kids that were supposedly Christian were living a Christian lifestyle. But the Mormon kid and the agnostic girl were just wanting to have fun and play games, you know, yeah. So I ended up, they were my closest friends in high school. And then I got to college and I found a uh, Baptist student ministry where kids were on fire for God and they were awesome. And I got to be in Bible studies. I got to do a um, college drama team. We've, we would take our drama team to, um, to churches and to a bunch of different venues. We had, we went to a juvenile detention center once and, and got to perform there and had some amazing revelation and witnessing happen with that. So, um, so does that answer your question? I w- I was kind mm-hmm. of raised. I was raised reading the Bible, learning about God, going to church. But I got into it a bit more than than my parents did. And then my brothers. I have two brothers, and they got into it a lot more as well. A lot they they kind of felt the same way I did where, Hey, is this true? Let's, let's read the Bible. Let's decide if it's true and let's act accordingly. So um, they both got into ministry as well.
1: Do you feel like maybe your steps toward that direction influenced your brothers or were your brothers more of an influence on you in that direction?
0: Well, my uh, pastors, whenever I started on this journey uh, and I was having that, discussion with my pastors and we were talking about my passion and what to pursue. And uh, I was talking to them about how I just felt like I had to be going. I I, I knew I wasn't in the right spot, but I didn't know where to go. I, I was really just frustrated and didn't understand what God wanted from me. I just felt discontent. And um, so my pastor gave me two pictures. He said that he, there were two things that he saw, kind of visions that, that he felt um, were God speaking to him on my behalf. And one of them was that I was um, a boat that was tied to a pier and that I was floating. And then I would get pulled by the tide this way and pulled by the tide that way. But I was waiting for God to just let the rope go and then I would go in the direction I was supposed to and then the other vision um, he had was he said that you know somebody has to be the point of the wedge and we talked to, he, he said you know at this at this point you are you are right here going on this path that no one's gone before no one in your family has gone before but when you are the point here uh, behind you it gets wider. So wherever you go, it's going to be a lot easier for your brothers to follow. Mm-hmm. And that was something that that he even talked about at the time. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't have any idea, you know, if that's right or not. But I, I will tell you that my brothers followed me to the uh, Baptist student ministry in college. And both of them got really involved in the college ministry there. Um, and both of them d- gotten really involved in ministries in other ways. And one of my brothers actually came up and interned at the Christian Performing Artist Fellowship with me for a year
1: wow, and, nice.
0: Yeah. And, and did some web development for them. And uh, yeah, so he, so we've been really close, you know, in helping each other out along our various life paths.
1: And You've turned that into, um, for many years, you've written uh, skits and sketches for church with uh, biblical messages. When did, did that start? And what are some of like the highlights of what you've written?
0: Uh, well, I've, mm, I haven't written that many. I've written a few sketches, honestly, a lot of, um, I've written some plays. Um, I wrote a play, uh, before I left Texas, the job that I had for several years after I went to college was at a domestic violence shelter. Mm. And, um, I, because, um, my passion in theater, I wanted to use, the talents that I had to try to help them when we were fundraising. so I actually wrote a song uh, for, the, for the shelter and uh, went to like this different a fundraiser and, and sang the song with a couple of my friends that played instruments and um, to raise awareness. And, and then I also wrote a play, uh, a three-act play for, for the shelter as part of a fundraising initiative um, but that, I never I never got produced because mm. uh, I left and moved to Indiana. <laughs> um, and so, and I did, I've done a couple of sketches. A lot of the sketches were things that were passed down. So I didn't write them, but they okay. were passed down from, um, you know, from player to player. And they just had this treasure trove of really fun sketch, and it, skits. And then I guess there were some, skits that we didn't I wouldn't say I wrote them but I adapted them with my team uh, based around um, a song so we take a song that was really popular in in the mainstream that was totally secular but we'd find something in it and we say you know there's a theme here and if we act out what we think is happening while the song is playing it takes a whole new meaning yeah so um Yeah. And then there, and there was actually some Christian songs as well that we would do that with, but, but we would just, you know, create a skit out of that. So we, we had a lot of those fun experiences. And so I did, so, so there were a few that I wrote. Um, And then um, one of the, I guess, so you asked me for an example. So the, one of the ones that I Helped write. I I wasn't the only writer on it, but we did a kind of um, do not touch skit where there was um, a, I guess we were were kind of staging at an art gallery and we were, uh, had a sign on a chair and it said, you know, wet paint, do not touch. And people, someone walked by and then we had this whole really funny comedy kind of Abbott and Costello physical comedy where he would decide, eh, he just wants to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> just touch it once, you know, just a little touch and then it would get stuck and then he would try to get it off and then it would get stuck more and more and more. And then he, at the end, he's like, you know, completely hugging the chair and uh, ridiculously stuck and he's hopelessly lost. And then um, the person that he was with comes back and says, you know, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And then, you know, releases them saying, you know, if you're you're bonded in sin, you're stuck to it. You can't get away from your own on your own and kind of had the moral of uh, Christ's forgiveness there.
1: Hmm.
0: So, um, <laughs> but, but the, we always had the comedy. I, if, if I'm writing it, it's going to be very, very likely to be comedic. <laughs>
1: And and I think that God gave us comedy uh, because it is so disarming that people will tear, the walls will come down and then they can receive a word or receive a message or receive that seed that can be planted. Uh, Like with the skit you're talking about, about getting, you know, just you touch sin just a little bit and then the next thing you know you're stuck. But no matter how stuck you are, Jesus can free you right away. I like that. Yeah. And in my mind, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about there's like a Mentos commercial where a guy sits on a wet bench and gets, you know, the stripes on a suit and he's like pops the Mentos and he starts rolling on the bench and now his, his suit is now pinstriped. <laughs> but that's not how sin works. <laughs> but <yeah>. oh,
0: Mentos. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, uh, I, I just love the power of how comedy can uh, – it, it brings people together. Uh, if you bring a, a group of 500 people that don't know each other and then they laugh at the same thing, on some level they're they're all connected. They're no longer alone because they've all kind of admitted something about themselves. That, Very uh, nice. And, you know, that's the beauty of what we do with Well-Versed. Uh, that's the beauty of comedy in general. It's a gift from God. Unfortunately, it's misused just like any gift from God. It, uh, by many people, they use it for the low hanging fruit. Uh, but that's the joy of what you've been doing with with, with sketches and skits, and and what uh, we're doing with well versed comedy. Uh, you joined uh, this past fall, and it's it's been a blast. Uh, you know, we're still post, we're kind of in the COVID era, so the shows aren't there the way we'd like to. I think, but we've had a few, and it's just been a lot of fun to be able to just go up there and do comedy for people. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just appreciate being able to, at this point in my life, you know, I'm a mom and a wife and I have a full-time day job. So being able to just c- come out and do improv where I, you know, I don't have to spend five nights a week rehearsing,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, as a, as I would have to in a play, but I get to do regular, you know, rehearsing and uh, just recharging my mind with these skills of being able to just think on the spot. And and uh, just it just expands your brain every time you do it, honestly. I feel like you can't, you know, you can't lose your mental capacity when you're doing improv because you always got to be on your toes. Yeah,
1: There are a lot of people that I, especially that I've spoken to, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but... When you do clean comedy or clean performing, there are some people that would believe and would assume that that limits you. Uh, Do you feel limited at all?
0: So, uh, I think it's, I would say it's limiting in the same way that, uh, you know, not rolling around on spikes limits you to where you can go play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, uh, I was actually in uh, a sketch comedy group when I first moved up to Chicago. Um, I joined a a comedy group that was not Christian in any way, in fact, it was of Satan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I'm just uh, there were just some elements in it that were just promoting like the worst. Like I'm, like it. to me, it wasn't even funny. It was just like, how can we shock you the the most? And um, and I, they, the the owner, the the guy who organizing it, really valued me and wanted me to be a part of it, and, and it could see that that I was, you know, I was someone who kept my word and would be um, there when he needed him, and and that was a big deal because a lot of these people are very flaky and you know, say say one thing and do another, so. Um, He wanted me to be a part of the team. And I kept trying for uh, a year or two. But it came to the point where, you know, I would say, you know, if we want to reach a wide audience, we should be family friendly, because Mm -hmm. it's honestly, it's not just for my moral sake. It's do you want to be on TV? Do you want to be able to be at a matinee or any other show where where you're you know with a wide audience? You're going to have the biggest appeal when you can be seen by the widest audience. It it actually is more freeing because you know it doesn't matter what religion uh, somebody has. Parents don't want to. Most parents aren't going to open their their kids up to to everything. Right. You know there are limits. So, uh, us going, just starting off, keeping those limits and, and finding comedy where, where everyone can, can agree and is not, you know, just turning some, some segment of the population off or, or of the, uh, audience, our audience is grateful for that, I think. And I know it, I'm grateful for it. I mean, I've been to enough comedy shows where I have felt, you know, just cringing in my seat saying, Oh. My goodness, you know what you know where did is this comedy? You know what's happening?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I'm very grateful. i lo- I think the, the if you look at well, the uh, some of the biggest comedy acts, um, they keep it fairly family friendly, maybe not in their HBO specials, you right. know, <laughs> late night things, but whenever they're doing something for the widest audience, the biggest ones are are keeping it very family friendly. And especially it, when they get into the movies, even Robin Williams, you know, he, he had a potty mouth when he was just him doing his own stand-up. But anytime he got into movies, they were super family friendly and all of the kids, you know, loved him and everything because they knew what's what sells.
1: Right. And there's more, like you said, there's a, a, a wider audience because if you're, You know, when you start adding the blue humor, you cut out a certain segment. When you start adding uh, things that are uh, mocking or or discriminatory, you cut out part of the audience. But when you're just family friendly and and clean and just you just open yourself up. Uh, One of my friends, uh, Steve Rivera, he owns uh, Gutty's uh, Guttys Comedy Clubs in uh, Indianapolis and Minneapolis. And he says that clean means green because he runs – he's a Christian. He runs uh, comedy clubs, and and every show that they do is family-friendly because it communicates to a broader audience. And uh, I think that – and I also think that because when you're a Christian and you want to use comedy or use your creative means to serve people, I think that it it takes a lot of the handcuffs off because – you don't have to be afraid, especially with, with well verse. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to get stuck in a scene where you're not going to be able to get out of it. And I think that, uh, because we serve the ultimate creator, we can be just as creative because, you know, he thought of everything that, that we see all the animals, the landscapes, everything he thought of all this, he thought of comedy. So why would we, I, I feel like, why would we ever feel limited I think it's more freeing because we can honor him with the gifts that he's given us.
0: Right. And it it can be a a challenge if you're used to, you know, if you've, if you've already been in a certain type of comedy, you know, and you've already uh, have bad habits, then that can be a a real challenge. Um, So, but, but that is a challenge that just, shows how good of a performer are you you know do you take the easy out or do you rise to the challenge
1: mm-hmm. and yeah, that's that's a good word it's because in it, it may sound prudish but you know the the blue humor and the the innuendos and things like that it is low hanging fruit it's easy to reach it but it's not the best fruit and if you're able to reach to the higher level fruit that shows how good you are, how good you can be. and yeah, So I, I like that. So Christy, there are two segments that we end uh, each interview with. I uh, didn't get a chance to uh, prep you for this. So I hope, uh, hope you don't mind. Uh, I'm, leaving.
0: I'm leaving. I'm, I'm... leaving.
1: <laughs> ah, darn. Okay. I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the final two segments, uh, the first one is called the interrogation, seven random questions that otherwise wouldn't have fit in the conversation. And then the final question I ask every guest is um, for anybody that's wanting to use their gifts, their talents, their passions uh, to honor and glorify God, what would your wise counsel be? So I'll let you kind of marinate in the back of your head on uh, what your wise counsel might be. Um, And then we'll uh, do the interrogation now. Uh, Seven random questions that would have otherwise not fit in our conversation. (laughs) All right, our first question is, uh, who is on your music playlist right now?
0: Uh I was just listening to uh One Republic today. Um I really like them. Uh I guess it, it surprises me when there's uh religious elements in a mainstream, you know, um band. But I mean they, if you listen to their lyrics, they're really they're deep. That's they're not just lyrics about love. Like One of the songs today was uh, my mom told me to pray when I was young and I pray every day because I'm so devout. (laughs) I like it, you know, in a catchy tune. So that's fun. Um, uh, I'm also a big fan of my my husband got me some Crowder for Christmas. Love it. Absolutely love it. And um, and we're playing a fair amount of uh, Disney classic kids songs. Here yeah. as well.
1: <laughs> that, that happens when you have a young'un in the house. Right. Uh, and and uh, uh, she's uh, five now, right? Six. Six. Oh, six. Seven next month. Oh, wow. Goes fast. Yeah, it goes really quick. All right, uh, question number two. Um, what is your favorite comfort food?
0: Comfort food. Comfort Mm. Um, it's hard for me because I, I, I kind of avoid comfort food because <laughs> in my, my health journey of trying to get foods that I know are good for me, not just filling, um, probably just bread. I mean, who doesn't love bread?
1: So right. well, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He didn't say I'm the broccoli of life. So.
0: That is true. That is true.
1: (laughs) Question number three: How do you relax?
0: Play on my phone a lot, fair bit. So I had a this strange kind of incident where I I I didn't really I did a a little bit of salt here on my phone sometimes, and that was it. And then I was having to um, help my daughter get her blood drawn. We were testing her for allergies and she was freaking out. And so there was a little game that she loved to play on her phone. Absolutely childish little game where you pop bubbles. And so I put, pulled it up and I was like, let's just do this and we won't look at the needle, you know. And so we started playing it. And I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm obsessed with it. The child popping bubbles game. Uh, so I do that when I'm trying to relax a little bit.
1: Nice. It's kind of like uh, popping uh, uh, the the packing material.
0: It is the video game of that, of just popping package bubbles. Nice.
1: Uh, Next question is, do you have any regrets or things that you wish you could do over?
0: Uh, I wish that I had started my whole journey a lot younger. So because I was so confused about what I wanted to be when I grow up, um, I spent you know, a good five to 10 years trying to do health and nutrition and uh, get my doctorate. And then I, I mean, I love nutrition and health still. So I guess I can't can't say I regret doing that. But I, I know that by the time I really got to the point where I, um, I could pursue theater. I had gotten training by John Kirby, the acting coach for Jim Caviezel. I mean, he told me you're ready. You could teach actors a few things. I mean, Mm -hmm. he said that to me and I was like, yes, I'm ready to go. And by that time I was nearly 30. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: um, I, so I started trying to audition. I did a lot of auditioning and it was, it was basically just, I was too old. So (laughs) hit my stride. So I, I realized that, I, I would do, I would do it all a bit earlier if I want, if, if I wanted to actually pursue professional film, but I had uh, so much fun just doing theater. That's also been kind of the back and forth. Like I'm really theater at heart.
1: Mm-hmm. So are are you uh, submitting to auditions now or is that? I
0: haven't submitted for a long time. Um, you know, having a six-year-old, almost seven-year-old at home and working full-time. I'm not quite at the point where I'm ready. I'm actually, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it this um, over the holidays about, am I ready to go be gone five nights a week and uh, just leave my family, (laughs) eat frozen pizza every night for a month so I can go do a play? Uh, And I'm I'm not quite there yet, but maybe soon I'll be. They're, they're supportive. They're, though, they're willing, you know, my husband is like, you know, if that's what you want to do, do it, you know? So they're supportive. But right now improv is just awesome because I can have that outlet and I can get that, um, that off of my, my creative uh, juices flowing without having to have that time commitment.
1: Yeah. All right. Number five. What's your uh, favorite character or character type to play?
0: Oh, I love characters. I love them. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite characters was in *Grapes of Wrath*. I did. We did a production of *Grapes and Wrath*, and I was Grandma. <clears throat> and my her line for almost every time she came on stage was. Uh. It's a long time ago. Uh, Praise God for victory. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God for victory. And uh, it was really fun. So so I got to be the grandma in that. And um, uh, also, when I was doing my Shakespearean improv, I was a huge fan of the. The washerwoman where you know like oh my pretty no so i i i like characters a lot yeah do that all day
1: yeah. and that that's actually uh, where we met is uh, through uh, the shakespearean improv uh with uh, the unwritten works of uh william shakespeare at west side improv there in wheaton um so uh, in, in Improvised Shakespeare is a completely different animal because there are so many mechanisms that are going on because you want to stick to the truth, you know, the uh, the, the integrity of Shakespeare and also you're making it up. Uh, so it, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's a good challenge.
0: It is. It is. It is. It was really. It's a really fun. A blast. So uh, I love every bit of it. And it, it is a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge as much as anything else of trying to figure out uh, where a character should go based on shakespearean tropes and based on the give and based on what everyone else is doing in the scene that doesn't necessarily make sense
1: okay. <laughs>
0: and then tying it all together and creating a play we create a 20 minute or 40 minute or what some a few times an hour long you know play out of it and and just have so much fun yeah
1: Question number six. What quirk or habit does Barry tease you about?
0: Oh. um, hmm. There's so many. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're very honest in our relationship. Um, So. He is super. Organized and uh, kind of a perfectionist. And I am the opposite of that. I am kind of disorganized and crazy. Um, one symptom of that is that my battery is already running low on this computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's great. And um, so I I try to get things done and I'm really trying to organize and move my life along but I always forget something or lose something or break something. I'm very clumsy. And uh and Barry just shakes his head. He's like, you know, well, why can't you just get it together? You know, he always knows where his keys are at. He always knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, a lot to learn.
1: I think it's the the difference between it with being a creative mind is that it's organized sort of up here, but you can't get it out here where people can yeah. see it. Yeah,
0: I know what it is in my head. It's just communicating it out. You know, <laughs> the, in the action doesn't quite get there.
1: All right, final question of the interrogation: Is there a moment? Oh, we might have lost her dead battery. So, as she mentioned a moment ago, I think that uh, her battery might have died on her. Uh, so, we uh, lost uh, Christy. So, we won't get to uh, those final couple of questions, but that's okay. Um, we just uh, uh, thank uh, Christy for joining us. Uh, she is a, a, a wonderful improviser, a wonderful performer, uh, f- a, just really a lot of fun to work with, and we're looking forward to see what God has in store for Well Comedy and for... Uh, the, uh, for uh, Christy's future, uh, if you want to connect with uh, Versed Comedy, find us at. Uh, you can find us on social media at WellversedCmdy on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at cmdy and uh, you can also connect with us on our website, WellVersedComedy.com. dot com. If you're looking for something fun to do uh, this coming Saturday, and you're in the Chicagoland area, coming out to Lombard Assembly Church on North Avenue in Lombard. Uh, Free admission, family-friendly comedy for all ages. Uh, Just come on out, bring the family, uh, bring your friends, bring your office. It's going to be a great time. We're going to open up and actually have uh, Essie Taylor, one of our members. Uh, She's going to open up with singing. Uh, We're going to mix in uh, some stand-up comedy as well as improv. Uh, So it's going to be a great night next Saturday on the 22nd. Uh, We hope to uh, see you there at Lombard Assembly Church. Uh, We're also available uh, to come to your church. Uh, reach out to us and let's have a conversation about how we can use comedy to, to minister, uh, whether it's uh, to your congregation or it's an outreach, whatever it may be. Uh, connect with us uh, at WellVerseComedy.com or on Facebook at C M D Y. Now, we are working towards building uh, a nonprofit organization. And uh, if you'd like to uh, support that, you can do that in a couple of different ways. Uh, you can support us uh, at, on Patreon at patreon.com, uh, slash gifts of glory. And, uh, that'll help, us support the, um, the ministry of, uh, the podcast as well as the comedy. And, uh, Christy has relocated. Uh, there she is. So, uh, I was assuming. So that the computer- oh, it's okay.
0: I, at least I warned you. Yes. I have issues. so so i'll try to organize myself and bring a backup uh charging cable next time
1: okay no worries all right so uh i have two more questions for you then now that you're back Uh, the final question is uh is is there a moment that you look back on you think uh that was a great moment that you you wish you could relive uh was there a a favorite moment on stage
0: oh does does it need to be on stage this was kind of on stage.
1: Yeah, on stage or, or wherever.
0: Um, hmm. I love, I love uh, so many of the plays that I was in. So much fun. Um, but uh, so, hmm. there's so many. Uh, I was in. Production for the um... gosh, this is this is hard. Mm. All right, what all I can think of right now is in Tartuffe, uh, where I was playing the wife being seduced by Tartuffe, who was a hypocrite, and the whole play rhymed. We got choreographed by the uh, one of the instructors in the ballet department to turn the entire seduction into a tango um, in order to make it less awkward. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so good. It started out with like Tartuffe comes in and they, he kind of has a, a belly, like they give him kind of a pot belly to make him a little bit gross, you know, and then it's done. We, we, we had a kind of a sixties style. So I had my hair up and a fringe twist and the dress. And then there was this kind of uh dance that we did where he would approach me and I would like push a chair in the way, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, then I would, uh, put a flower in his face to try to distract him and then he would bite it you know <laughs> yeah. and it was hilarious you know and we just we kind of did this dance around the dining room table where he was uh in his rhyming you know trying to to tell me why my husband would never find out, you know. And and we must uh, obey. And he was so. It, it, this man was supposedly a man of God, and I was saying, surely, oh God would disapprove, you know. And and he would say, oh, what the heavens know will not affect us, you know. And and uh, and the whole time we're like dancing tango around this table and just doing the the moves, dun 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 dun. And then like in the background, there's a the guy with a banjo playing. It was so. It was brilliantly done. And uh, just it was a, a, a putting together the theater department with um, someone playing, you know, an instrument from the music department, and uh, the ballet uh, instructor instructing us in this dance and choreographing it for us. And it was just a beautiful, just putting together all of the different talent in the Masterworks Festival. And it was hilarious, you know, and it made it where people got across. We got across the message of what was happening without being uncomfortable or, you know, having to to get graphic at it. We just had this fun time. And uh, so I I love that. I would do that over and over again.
1: That's awesome. Uh, So the final, final question we ask uh, every guest is for anyone that wants to step up, use their gifts for God's glory what would you say your wise counsel to them would be?
0: So I, um, I would, I think that um, my wise counsel is to get wise counsel. Uh, That is (laughs) the best thing you can do that, that helped me so much going to people that I I trusted that were wiser than me and just getting counseled about it, talking about what is really going on in my head and my journey and my walk with Christ and, Um, Just really talking it through with people who who know have walked that journey and and have some knowledge about God. It it made a difference in my life. And it wasn't just with those pastors. I also was able to do it when I was at Masterworks talking with my my boss there, who is awesome man of God. And the other um, faculty there, they were these awesome people of God that just really really. were my mentors and I, I love them so much forever.
1: Uh, uh, it, the Bible talks about the importance of seeking you know, uh, many counselors uh, to get different perspectives and weigh it out. So that's a good word. Um, so Christy, uh, that is it. Uh, I know that you're uh, you and your family are going to church here in just a few moments. So I thank you for, for joining us and I really look forward to uh, rehearsal this week and then uh, getting back on stage this Saturday with you.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate your patience, too, while I blank out on you.
1: Ah, it's, okay. it, it's improv. It, you know, each one of these shows is improvised. I have a few scenarios, but everything else is just made up off the cuff. So yeah, just go with it. Uh, so, so uh, Christy, uh, we will see you uh, tomorrow at practice. And for everybody else, if you're in the uh, Chicagoland area, uh, comedy night at Lombard Assembly this Saturday, uh, free admission. All ages are welcome. p.m. we'll get started, and uh, we hope to see you there. And, uh, uh, Christy, have yourself a great night. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, Dave. Have a great night.